0: Amen. Again, I'm glad that you're here this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you have your scripture and want to open that up, we'll, we'll get there in just a little bit. You know, there was a man who was bothered uh, by a continual ringing in his ears, and he had some, uh, his eyes were bulging, and um, he had a flushed face, and he was bothered by this, and he went to the doctor, and, and he went to several doctors over a period of three years, and the first doctor took his tonsils out. And uh, the the second doctor took his appendix out. And the third doctor, uh, the dentist, they took all of his teeth out. And uh, still no relief. He still had ringing in his ears. He still had the bulging eyes. He still had the, you know, the, the flushed face. And uh, finally, a doctor told him there was no hope. He said, there's no hope. You're going to die in six months. And he said, uh, you know, man, this he quit his job. He decided, you know, man, I'm going to just live up the, the rest of the time that I have left on this earth. So he goes to his tailor and he has the tailor uh, make him some new suits and shirts. And he begins, uh, the tailor goes and he measures his neck and he, he writes down the number 16. And the guy says, no, it's 15. And so he takes the measurement again and he, he says, no, it's 16. And he said, no, the guy insisted that he wore a size 15 shirt, collar. And the tailor said, well, all right then, but don't come back here complaining to me if you have continual ringing in your ears, bulging eyes, and a flushed face. You know, and, and I, I think sometimes that's the way it is. That sometimes the solution to life's problems are simpler than we think. I mean, we, we, we try to make it so big, so grand, and our world has some incredibly complex problems. I mean, you think about things like wars and and people migrations, pandemics, uh, disasters. And even people, we have complex problems. Physical, emotional, family brokenness problems. And sometimes we despair when we try to to help others or even try to implement something to help uh, our situation and deal with it. But... um, At times, those proposed solutions are so complex we're not even sure that we can implement them. But maybe the simplest answer is the best. You know, God provides a solution for all of the complex problems that we face. And the the solution, it is the solution of a Savior who will save us from our sins. It's his birth that we celebrate at Christmas time. You know, some people might ridicule uh, and call it sim- a simplistic solution, um, one that really doesn't work. Or maybe they others would say that well oh, that's a nice <laughs> legend. Maybe it's harmless enough. Uh but they would never consider it as a serious solution to any significant problems. But understand this that God knows that the most basic problem with the world is the sin of humanity. All of our problems can be traced back to our sin. And the problem that we have is we don't deal with it. And any solutions that leave out dealing with the sin problem, those are the simplistic solutions. Because we are complex beings. And I I think this is huge because the only solution that offers true hope and help is that which considers the sinful hearts of people and offers practical solutions for that universal problem. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. See, God's Christmas message to us offers this solution: The Savior whose birth we celebrate was to be named Jesus," which means "Jehovah saves." Jehovah saves, for he would save his people from their sins, according to Matthew 1:21. You see, the Christmas account, as told by Luke, especially the account of the shepherds who went to see the Lord Jesus the night of his birth. It reveals that God's simple solution for our complex problems is a Savior. And his name is Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 2 verse 8 and following with me if you will. I'm going to read down through verse 20. So if you have your scripture, just open it up. If it's on your iPhone, if it's in the, the book form or however you have it, just open it up and follow along. It says, in the same region, verse 8, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in, their, in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, The shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20, the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Loving Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for how it challenges us. And I pray, Father, that, that this morning you would open our hearts and minds, Father, to see your glory, Father, that we would see just a glimpse of, of who you are and what you have done for each one of us. Father, what an amazing event, you coming to earth to be with us as one of us in order to save us. Father, I pray that we would respond to your glory and your gospel in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, this morning I've been working on this and I've I've couched this sermon (laughs) um, within a worship service. And it's about a worship service. I call this the first Christmas service, okay? And, and, and according to some scholars, uh, the first Christmas uh, service was celebrated around A.D. 90, okay? And, and uh, by the fourth century, December 25th had been chosen as the day uh, to celebrate Christmas. But I would say to you this morning, the first Christmas service was held the day Jesus was born, Notice as the congregation arrives, you know, they arrive on the scene. The sanctuary was the open countryside just outside of Bethlehem. You know, we've had a couple of outdoor services here at Memorial in in recent uh, years. And uh, our church auditorium doesn't become a sanctuary just because we call it one. It doesn't become a sanctuary just because we call it one. Moses was told to take off his shoes at the burning bush, not because there was some grand structure that he met in, but because of the demonstrated presence of Almighty God. It becomes a sanctuary in the demonstrated presence of Almighty God. And this is a key point. Because when you think about this If we don't have the presence of almighty God In our midst Then why are we here What did we come to see What are we worshipping See the shepherds in the fields They were in the fields As was their habit It's what they did They were shepherds they had no expectation of meeting God that night. I mean, many people who go to church are in church on Sunday morning just because that is their habit. It's what you do. But how would your personal worship change if you really came expecting to meet God here. It makes a big difference. Did you come to church or did you come to worship? Because it's all a matter of the heart. See, God could have chosen another congregation to make his glorious announcement too. I mean, why not announce... Among the priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the religious leaders of the day. I mean, Jesus was born the king of kings. <laughs> the king of all kings. Jesus Christ was born the king of kings. Why not make the announcement to the rich and famous, to those who were powerful? Why not make that announcement to others? God's savior is for the whole world and not for a particular group Of people. See, when the announcement came to the humble shepherds, it assured me that the Savior was for me and for you. It assured this shepherd that he is for me and he's for you. What what an amazing announcement. It's significant that God's birth announcement would come to the shepherds. I mean, do you know what shepherds do, right? I mean, shepherds care for sheep. And those who have trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, those who have put their faith in him, we belong to him, and he calls us his sheep. I mean, Jesus called himself a shepherd. In John 10, 11, he said, I am the good shepherd Hebrews 13, 20, Jesus is called the great shepherd. In 1 Peter 5, 4, Jesus is called the chief shepherd. And in Psalm 23, 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. We have a great shepherd. These shepherds near Bethlehem, they raised flocks that were used to furnish the sacrificial lambs at the temple. The ones that were used for the sacrifice. How fitting it would have been for the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, to be announced first, made to the shepherds who were caring for the sheep that were going to be sacrificed in the temple. Now, notice this the preacher arrives. The preacher arrives. I love this. When the angel arrived on the scene, it was. The glory of God that shone all around. Not the glory of the angel. It was God's glory. This is significant because we need to remember that the glory of the Lord had not appeared on earth for centuries. This was the Shekinah glory. The glory of God's presence. The visible presence of God. (laughs) No wonder the shepherds were afraid. No wonder they were terrified. This was the visible presence of Almighty God shining down upon them. I mean, the Shekinah glory, this is the same glory that appeared to Abraham in Ur. This is the same glory that Moses encountered on Mount Sinai. This is the same glory that was in the tabernacle. This is the same glory that we that we we read about at the dedication of Solomon's temple. It's the same glory that Ezekiel saw depart from the temple. Folks, this is the glory of Almighty God and understand that for more than 500 years the nation of Israel had not had a visible sign of God's presence among their people and now the glory for which Israel had long waited for had been revealed to these humble shepherds, believing shepherds, but not to the unbelieving priests in the temple. See, the presence of angels was glorious, but the glory of God outshone the angels. See, listen, whether we are sitting or preaching or teaching or singing, Or taking up space in the pews, we are to reflect God's glory. We are to reflect God's glory. See these shepherds; they were terrified. I mean, you think about it. It says they were, um, and the uh, the the angel stood before him. They were terribly frightened, folks. They were beside themselves. They were in fear of their lives. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was happening. And they I'm sure they were on the ground on their knees begging for mercy, praying that something bad did not happen. You know, there have been times where maybe I've had a dream and I woke up and 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 man, I was terrified. You you know you, you wake up and it's like, "Oh my gosh, what oh, whoo, it was just a dream." They were terrified at that moment. Have we become so casual in our worship that we are not aware of the awesomeness? A very overused word, by the way. The awesomeness of the God in whose presence we worship. I mean, how, we just have to consider that for a minute. I mean, we're limited by our language Oh, we can say something is magnificent. We can say something is wonderful. But what do we, what words do we have that are reserved for God? I mean, we say things are awesome. The awesomeness of God. And when you look up the definition of the word awesome, it means it has with a sense of dread to it. A sense of if I don't walk the line, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be just zapped out of here. I'm gonna be killed. I'm gonna be dead. And you think about that, and you think about the fear and the reverence of Almighty God. <laughs> there is none that can stand before my God. None. See, I, I think of that, that, that word awesome, and, and, and I mean, what is greater than awesome? What causes you to fear and reverence other than Almighty God. When you're on holy ground, you know it, you know it. You remember when Isaiah, he saw the vision, he saw God in his vision and he realized that he was in the presence of the Lord Almighty and this is what he said. He said, woe is me for I am ruined. I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. The Bible never records a direct personal encounter with God in which the individual knows not visibly shaken by God's awesomeness. Nowhere in scripture will you find that, where they casually met with God. It doesn't happen. Could it be that we need to restore a greater sense of reverence in our worship? Maybe the shepherds that night could remind us some of the majesty about the one whom we worship. We're not even getting to the sermon yet, but I'm going to move right on in there, okay? Right into the sermon. I mean, he must have had a seminary-trained angel, okay? Because the sermon contained the necessary introduction and three points that they talk about in, in seminary, you know? And um, I want to I want to talk about that for just a moment. It says there in verse 10, it says, But the angel said to them, this is the, the preacher, the, He's he's there, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Ridge, why can you not preach in three verses? That's the introduction though. He says, do not be afraid. It's a brief introduction and it's to the point. And he says, do not be afraid. Isn't that the usual words we find from uh, from angels throughout Scripture. Whenever they encounter humans, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <laughs> but you know what? Many people are still afraid of the gospel. Some people are afraid the gospel will spoil their fun or they'll have to give up something that they treasure too highly. But folks, fear is not necessary. The gospel is good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. I mean, we can have hope, we can have a remedy for our sin. We we know that God, we can be reconciled to God because of what Jesus Christ did for us. So we have this introduction, this do not be afraid, but the first point of the sermon was the simple gospel. A savior is born. That savior is Christ, God's anointed one, the Messiah. That Savior is the Lord, God himself in the flesh, and it is a message of good news and great joy. The second point of the sermon was that the Savior was for all people, was for all people. That is truly great news because somewhere among all the people is room for you and for me. That means the Savior is born for us. And the final point was that God's word would be verified in their experience. Now, verse 12 says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. But we have to be careful here because we're not to interpret God's word in light of our experience, but we are to interpret our experience in light of God's word. And this is a key point. Because God's word is the light. God's word is the lamp unto our feet. We can have lots of experiences, but we need to interpret those experiences in light of God's word and not the other way around. But then you have the heavenly host proclaiming, saying in verse 13 and 14, and suddenly there appeared, here we go, with the angel, you have the angel in verse 9 the angel of the lord suddenly stood before them and then in verse 13 and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising god and saying glory to god in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased You know the word multitude it means fullness There was a multitude of angels There was a fullness. The area around the shepherds was full of angels. (laughs) Just picture this with me in your mind. The area around the shepherds was full of angels. And may I tell you that every angel in heaven (laughs) wanted to be there to praise God. They wanted to be there. They showed up to praise God. He's got a major announcement to make. I want to be there to bring him glory. I mean, what kind of angels were they? It may surprise you to know that they may not have been special choir angels, but maybe God's military angels. The word host is a military term for a band of soldiers. God sent 1st Cavalry. He sent 3 Corps. He sent Angel Team 6 from Fort Glorious to come and announce the birth of his baby, of his son. See, the multitude of angels came and they stood before the shepherds. Oh, man. I get weak in the knees just thinking about it. A multitude, the fullness, the whole hillside was full of angels. It's very possible that they stood in rank on the hill in those fields and probably said in unison, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Oh man, among men with whom He is pleased. I mean, when when folks think about the angels attending the birth of Jesus, they usually think of angels hovering in the sky above the shepherds. And the reason they think that is Christmas pictures always show angels in the sky above them, hovering in the sky. But the word literally says and means to stand before them. The angel of the Lord stood before them. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. What a wonderful way for God to announce the birth of his son. See, this proclamation was designed to bring glory to God and to to deliver God's message of peace. I mean, if you saw the angel army, if you saw the angel army with the fullness thereof, just standing before you, knowing that they are pronouncing and proclaiming peace, I'd feel pretty confident in that. I'd be like, you go, God. I love that. They're proclaiming peace. And this proclamation was designed to bring glory to God and to deliver God's message of peace. I mean, glory is what humanity, the creature, gives to God. We give him glory. And peace is what God grants to us. But in order for us to have the peace of God, we have to have peace with God before we can have the peace of God. See, peace is not something we can achieve by conducting arms talks or treaties or by building walls. Real peace is a gift from God. And it gives an inner joy that does not depend on our external circumstances. And the prerequisite for peace is giving glory to God in the highest. Folks, we have to recognize and honor Christ as our savior, as our our creator, as our sustainer. We must accept his gift of salvation if we are gonna give glory to God in the highest. We must accept the gift of salvation of Jesus Christ and and live a life of obedience in that. We must honor him with our worship, with our walk, with our wealth, and, and with our whole being. And now comes the invitation. The shepherds were expected to respond to the word that was preached. They were expected to respond to the word that was preached. Look at verse 15. It says, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven... When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. See, the Bible says that they went immediately. That they went immediately to Bethlehem to find the baby Jesus. why don't we respond when we hear the word of God preached? Why don't we respond like they did? You know, to forgive someone, to ask for forgiveness, to commit ourselves, to serve, to tithe, to to give our all. And I ask the question, have we really worshiped if we don't respond. If we just are hearers of the word and not doers of the word. I mean we don't have to walk forward on every invitation but we should allow the word of God to change our lives. It should cause us to do something But note the missionary focus of Luke here and he shows that the shepherds could not help but spread the word. They went out and they were talking. They, like Moses, had seen the glory. They had seen God's glory and they had a message to go out and proclaim. And instead of the spectacular angelic encounter that they had experienced, the shepherds talked about something way more important. (laughs) And that was the fact that a Savior had been born in Bethlehem who was Christ the Lord. The Redeemer had come. Messiah had come. The one who would rule Israel had come. People could now enter into the kingdom of the Prince of Peace. And just like that, the worship service was over Christmas was over they went back to their sheep and they went back to being shepherds but the shepherds allowed the word of God to affect their lives they were changed by the encounter with God They were filled with wonder. They began to witness and they continued to worship. Look at verse 17. It says, when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen, excuse me, heard and seen, just as had been told them. Their lives were changed because of what they had heard and seen. Dallas is going to come in just a few moments and lead us in a couple more songs. But, folks, Christmas, Christmas was yesterday. It has come and it has gone. But did it touch and change your life? In a few moments, our worship time together will be over. But have you encountered God? And will you let him transform your life? Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the picture of the very first Christmas service that we see in the Bible in Luke's account. And Father, I pray that we would be like these shepherds. Father, after encountering your glory, after encountering your presence, Father, that we would be forever changed by that. Father, that, that we would not just go back to our jobs, that we would not just go back to life the way we know it, but Father, that we would be forever changed by being with you this morning. Father, that, that we would see you father high and lifted up that we would recognize that the one whom we worship is worthy of all glory and honor father that there is a sense of of, of dread as we enter your presence as we we stand before you as we kneel before you father that we would see that you were far greater than anything we could possibly imagine And Father, that you have so much power. You're so much greater than us. You you created us. You breathed the breath of life into us. Father, thank you for giving us purpose and hope. You've given us everything. You've given us life. You've given us eternal life. You've given us joy and love and peace and hope. Father, you've given it all to us. And Father, even now, we humbly bow in reverence to you and say thank you, Father, for all that you have done for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice of your life so that we might have eternal life. Thank you that you hung on that cross and died so that we could be reconciled with God you paid my sin the debt that I owed that I could not pay you paid it for me and father I'm thankful that I'm not going to get what I deserve as the wretched sinner that I am I thank you father that you have saved me by your grace through your son for all eternity and father when I stand before you you will see the blood of Jesus covering all of my sin. Father, all I can do is say thank you, but it's my joy to thank you and to serve you and to bring glory to you in everything that we say, think, and do. Guide us, Father, as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.